And so that is really what began my more personal use of weed. This friend would just, you know, invite me over or come by, hang out with me and we'd smoke and we'd talk. We'd talk about all kinds of things and we'd get into, you know, our experience within our family, our sense of uh, taking care of our family, Mm -hmm. especially being firstborn. There's a huge responsibility for you to do well and accomplish great things that can make yourself and your family proud and not squander away the opportunities given to you. So needless to say, lots of pressure and weed was a way that I really, I guess, processed all of that. You're listening to the human app podcast. My name is Victor Ung and happy Asian heritage month and happy mental health awareness month. This is the time where, you know, this is something that I think everybody should be mindful of throughout the year, but obviously you know, it's it's really helpful to have um, a time to truly dedicate to it too. To actually, you know, stop and and improve our awareness around. And um, this episode with my guest Amanda Tran is all about that. Um, we we talk a lot about Asian American identity and culture. Um, we talk about how. And we talk about how that influences our perceptions of mental health, as well as the the stigma around cannabis and the culture around that and how she actually uses it to uh, improve so many areas of her life, uh, to, to really use it as self-love, as a tool for self-love. So I'm super excited to really dive into this conversation with you and it's it's um we i really wanted to just keep going for longer but um maybe we'll have her back for round two if if any of this resonates with you um which is what i'd like to to mention here if you get value out of the episode as you listen to it um please leave a rating or a comment or send me a dm right so whatever streaming platform you're using you could rate and review and then share it with someone you'd love to have a conversation with about this. Like, use this episode as canon to start the conversation, to really explore these deeper topics with someone that you care about. I would really appreciate that, and it would be amazing to even hear what you guys come out of that conversation as well. So definitely share it with somebody, and then and then let me know if you want to find me on Instagram at human up podcast where you could send me a dm and or just comment on the episode and what you take out of it as well um you know the more engagement the more feedback i get from that the the better the show will be so uh good or bad i'd I'd love to hear it and with that before i ramble on too much uh i'll get you right into the episode after a quick message from my sponsor First off, thank you for being a listener of the Human Up podcast. I definitely have so much to say and express and all the things that I've experienced and observed throughout my life that I've honestly been cultured and and kind of pressured to to bite my tongue against. So I really love being able to use this platform and this medium as a podcast to do so. And it wouldn't be possible without Anchor.fm, which is the hosting platform I use to distribute this podcast. 
podcast. It's perfect for me right now because it's free and automatically distributes my episodes to all the different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And the cool part is that there are tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you don't even need any extra software or services to, to create the podcast. And you can even make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership by recording ads like this. So if you have a message to send and ideas to spread, definitely download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And who knows, maybe we can collab and create a, a podcast episode together. If you do end up creating one, you should definitely hit me up and, and we can do something there. With that, let's get back to the episode. All right. Thank you for coming on here, Amanda. I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive into these topics with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I met you through the uh, Asian Americans for Cannabis um, organization and have been super interested in this space and this intersection between cannabis, uh, wellness, emotional intelligence, and what that means from a cultural standpoint, from a um, just uh, mental and emotional health standpoint. Uh, wellness in general. So really interested to to dive into your story, how you got into this space and and what motivates you to keep going and, and sharing your yeah. message. All right. Um, so cannabis, how I relate to cannabis on a personal level is, well, I guess it's a blessing blowing, uh, growing up in California. There is no shortage of really fine weed, really good weed. So I always came across weed in a social context in the beginning around parties, mm -hmm. in college, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was always, I always noticed that weed made people friendlier, um, get real sooner. And in, it, I think weed is really about enjoyment. And alcohol at the same time, you know, is we really start like drinking a lot in college. I think that's a really common American experience, right? Mm -hmm. And alcohol is always good fun, wild times. And weed was always kind of, to me, relaxing, funny, and connecting. So it was always a social context in the beginning. And then... I have a really good friend. He's older than I am and he didn't go to college, um, but he was kind of my break away from college. I went to UCLA and it was a very rigorous, you know, education. And it was nice to have this friend who was in the area, but lived away and was not a part of the scene. And that's how I started using weed outside of that typical party setting. My friend would tell me, well, you can come on over. We can smoke a little bit of weed and let's talk about what's on your mind. Um, and so that is really what began my more personal use of weed. This friend would just, you know, invite me over or come by, hang out with me and we'd smoke and we'd talk. We talk about all kinds of things and we'd get into you know, our experience within our family, our sense of uh, taking care of our family. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really big 
part of Asian American culture to feel that you need to check on your family and help out your family as much as possible. Um, and at the same time, being Asian American, especially being firstborn, there's a huge responsibility right. for you to do well and accomplish great things that can make yourself and your family proud and not squander away the opportunities given to you. So needless to say, lots of pressure and weed was a way that I really, I guess, process all of that. What, mm -hmm. what were my goals? What were my interests? How do I relate to other people? How do I relate to my friends? How do I relate to my family? And um, yeah, there were times in college I experienced really, really, really terrible anxiety. Just performance anxiety. <laughs> really mm. just getting started on any undertaking. I would get really anxious over opportunities. I was excited yeah. for opportunities, but I was also very anxious about them. So this really good friend of mine um, providing weed to me, I'm forever grateful to him because I think about all the ways in which people cope and there's so many ways. And sometimes I hear people say that they associate weed with laziness right. um, or find that they, I've heard people tell me too that they've had to stop using weed to kind of feel more focused again or to reset. And I think the key thing here is that no matter what you use to wind down, you still have to do the mental emotional processing. And you should be working with a therapist ideally. But, you know, just like a credit card can become a bad habit smoking weed and getting stoned out of your mind can also become a right. bad habit. Um, but more often than not, I think weed facilitates really good things, discussions or alone time. And the way I use weed is on a daily basis and it's my cup of coffee. So I'm curious to know how you relate to weed and if you smoke or what, how you consume weed typically. Yeah, no, and, and that's this is why I'm excited to to talk to you because I think that I, I definitely resonate a lot with that in terms of how cannabis um helps open things up in general and mm -hmm. kind of allows um at least for me in my experience to 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 connect with myself. You know, cannabis has been a huge part in in really understanding those emotions and how that affects our behaviors and what we think about ourselves. And yeah, so my experience has been, I, I, before, like I came from, you know, being part of Asian American culture with immigrant parents, uh, there were, there was a lot of stigma around that. There was a lot of judgment around it. Um, and that, rubbed off on me. And during high school, I was, I was one of those innocent, like goody two shoes kids. Like I didn't even drink. I didn't really do anything. And I would right. uh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I would honestly be very judgmental about people who smoked weed too. And, um, yeah. And then Victor, and where did you go to school? Yeah, I went, I'm from here in Seattle. Um, and so I went to a school up in the sort of the northern end of Seattle and uh, went to UW. So I've basically been here all my life. 
uh, can't seem to leave. But yeah, it's been interesting to see how how my own perceptions of cannabis has grown too. Yeah, before I keep talking too much about myself, uh, <laughs> I'm basically curious about like what other people's experiences and if that relates to you know myself and being comfortable and just you know who who you are you know and expressive in that um so for like what was your experience before using cannabis and what did you perceive of it like yeah yeah well (laughs) i always tell people i my parents were so unaware of drug use and access to drugs. I never got really big lectures about drug use from my parents. Mm. And it was never a concern for my parents or my relatives when it came to me and my behaviors. Um, You know, I always did what I should and I was never a problematic, problematic child growing up. So I think that actually was a blessing because when I did start using weed, I didn't ever feel a huge sense of shame or paranoia. And I've noticed that some Mm. of my friends who have gone to private school or grew up very religious, I found that they seem to have a harder time letting go of the stigma around weed. Right. Whereas I didn't even have a negative perception to shed away. So I was right. really lucky in that sense. Um, and then in my college years, when I started using weed, at first, like I said, at first it was always in a social setting. So to me, it was like, this is what you do on your off time. And when I had really bad anxiety and I did start deciding to use it on a more daily, regular basis as a part of my routine and part of my flow, I did feel a little bit ashamed. I felt Mm -hmm. like, why do I have to use anything at all? Right? Like, why can't I? But then I just, it took some time. I remember actually one of the most career defining college courses, university courses I took, one of the most worldview defining courses actually was the psychology of addiction. And Mm -hmm. in that course, we learned about all the substances and how they affect the brain and how they affect habits and behaviors. And there I learned that cannabis and psychedelics are just different in terms of impulse and compulsion. It doesn't affect us the same way. And like you've said, cannabis tends to be something that helps us open up or relax a little bit more. However, of course, some people experience really intense paranoia. And to me, I mean, it's hard to say because we don't have a ton of white paper studies and, you know, hard data and research backing these observations. But to me, weed can be really helpful and the paranoia and shame or weirdness people feel with weed sometimes, I think is more social. It's more more of a socialized confusion around it and how to enjoy it. If you're allowed to enjoy it, if you're using it too much or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. 
So again, I feel so grateful that I grew up in California because it's everywhere. And I mean, both, both in the Bay Area where I grew up and in Southern California, it's all around us. And I think the psychology of addiction course is what really started to empower me to embrace it. Just like, yeah, I know this is something I like and helps me get into my flow. It's kind of my cup of coffee in the morning, to be honest. And ironically, coffee really, really messes me up. Caffeine mm-hmm. just gets me so wired and jittery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but weed is so smooth and such a great way to get into my day, get into my tasks, um, along with tea. Weed, mm. tea, and fruit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very healthful practice. Um, and I know how uh, good it is and having the psych bio degree and psych right. bioeducation backing me, I don't have to feel ashamed about anything. I can just enjoy it and do my best to help other people feel that they can enjoy themselves and get comfortable too. And and that's that's amazing, right? I think I, in general Hmm. I don't, I don't want to be kind of like preachy in terms of, you know, whatever philosophy you have or how you want to live your life and whatnot. But I think in general, like just being open about being reflective on what really does help you and, and what contributes to your own wellness and to, to experiment with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think in general, it's like a, a really, you know, at least healthy and good mindset to have in breaking down like what are your own blind spots, uh, what you might be missing out of any perspective or any piece of information and whatnot. And and it really helps that you, you did have that or science background to, um, to really ground yourself in that and, and kind of to have that, backing you right too, uh, right. uh along with your personal experience and okay. well, so i yeah. remember a very distinct interesting moment where i pretty much had an emotional breakdown with my professor who was teaching the psychology of addiction course mm. and i'm telling him so i recently just decided to start using weed on a more regular basis because i have really bad anxiety but now that we're talking about habits and addiction, I'm so worried that the context mm-hmm. of my use is not okay or healthy. And he was like, oh my goodness, no, that's not the case at all. I'm so sorry if I said anything in class to make you feel that way. And he just had to assure me. <laughs> and I think culturally, being Asian American, I don't think we're told to break the rules or do whatever right. works. For exactly. you, yeah. right? It's more like look around, make adjustments, make sure you are a positive part of society, right? Yeah. You're playing your part. So I did kind of need that validation from an actual professor too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I saw the facts and information being presented in the class, but I still needed that personal validation. Totally. Um, and again, I'm just glad that I didn't have all the shame that a lot of people come with when it comes to weed because my friends and family didn't really even talk about it with me. Yeah. So 
Well, yeah. and, and I think that's kind of what might be uh, sort of guiding my own even journey right now through life and through even this podcast and what I'm working on is that, you know, there are so many things that we are shameful about and, and hide and, you know, regardless of drugs or whatever, but even on an emotional level, like what are things that we're holding back or not feel comfortable expressing or talking about and, you know, just being contained or being limited or, or not feeling like there is that safe space can be, um, just, just containing, you know, like, uh, and, you know, and when everything is kept to yourself, it, it exaggerates, it blows out of proportion, it, yeah. it spirals and, um, and yeah, so on a personal level, that's, you know, I'm not going to say that cannabis is that magic bullet for everybody right. that everybody should do drugs or whatever, but like it, it was one of those very helpful tools and catalysts for helping me understand myself and um, what, what really does hold you back, you know, yeah. what kind of limiting beliefs you might have in any situation. Um, yeah. Okay. So did does it sound like that you kind of had that experience with your professor and going through schooling about that, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the brain effects of cannabis aside, I think in a cultural context, cannabis is meant for connecting, yeah. whether with yourself and doing something creative or having a conversation with someone. Yeah. You know, it's not about antics. <laughs> right. This is really about dialogue and discussion and thoughts and ideas. So. Yeah. And like you said, when, when you limit discussion or you don't have discussions, your thoughts and emotions can really get out of check and out of control. Um, And it's hard to get a hold of and get a grasp of. But for me, we definitely was always associated with expression. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's super cool. I think um I guess what was your experience learning to embrace it and start using this you know, this plant medicine into your daily life like incorporating that and and being open to talking about it. Like what were you know, what were like internal res- resistance or external resistance yeah. that you got from from just incorporating this into your life? Um, well, it helped, it really helped that my close friend would drop by and bring me top shelf, bud all of the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think how lucky, you know, if you grow up in another community, who knows what could have been dropped off at my doorstep, some really hard drugs, some really addictive, horrible substances, but no, growing up in California, I was blessed with good weed whether or not I went out and sought it. And eventually I did go get a medical card and that was kind of intimidating at first. Like, okay, here I go to obtain weed, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is nothing in life prepared me for this or told me that this is how you become an adult. Um, but I knew that's what worked for me because of the great exposure I had to weed around friends. Um, so well, and yeah. I think that's actually, and not to cut you off there, but I just got a, a thought that like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what people 
that that like you mentioned um that stigma around what or like what kind of characters consume yeah. weed or right and um it's typically so like someone who, adulthood looks like yeah yeah exactly and so that's what has been interesting to me is like seeing you know so many people who are using this uh as um as as a daily supplement in a way and and mm -hmm. still able to show up and be a functional member right. of society and and still be very you know yeah. intelligent and aware and and it's like yeah it's just kind of amazing that so many people write it off without really truly understanding what it is yeah and there was another there was a work i saw that made me feel pretty good about weed also it was a documentary. It used to be available on Netflix, but I don't know where to find it now. It was, it's called culture high. And mm. there were some really smart, articulate talking heads on there. And they got into the reasons that we, that we'd ever became restricted and now sort of regulated the way that it is. And it's very political. It's very, you know, there's racism and classism at play. Yeah. So yeah. the reasons that we don't, except weed today are purely political and um, capitalistic also, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what really helps me think about weed is making comparisons and contrasting it to other things that we do. So I mentioned that I don't drink coffee in the morning. It just really messes with me. <laughs> like bouncing off the walls and completely unfocused. Yep. But weed is that morning coffee for me. It really mm. is. And a lot of people will talk about using weed at the end of the day or um, to go to bed. And that's great too, but that's not how I use it. I tend to use the strains that kind of get my morning going. Right. Yeah, so, no, it's, I mean, yeah. even in that, right? Like there's just so many applications of it and so many, and that's where yeah. it can get confusing. It's like, oh, well... Yeah all these different effects and strains. Like I, I talk about how, you know, cannabis itself, like the plant, there's so many variables in, in what type of experience you might get out of it, depending yeah. on where it's grown, who grows it, like what pesticides they use or, yeah. you know, the time of the, the season and then even how you package it and how you smoke it or how you consume it. Like there's so many mm -hmm. variables in how you, um, might experience it and i think you know it it does kind of it is you know somewhat heartbreaking for me when people do have a bad experience with it because it yeah. can like you know they're like they they write it off and um and it's understandable like it sometimes it it can suck <laughs> if you either right. you know are not in the right mindset or if you don't um or maybe I mean, if you do too much or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. That's true about so many things. Sure. Um, Cause I mean, the same happens with therapy. People have like one bad therapist and they think therapy is not for me. Right. Exactly. And I'm trying to tell them there's so many styles of therapy, psychotherapy. Yep. There's so many personalities <laughs> when it comes to right. therapists, right? You really have to find what works for you. And with weed, there've been times I might've been really excited and Possibly I projected and 
laid on some pressure, hoping that someone would really like it or really enjoy it or find benefit from it. But I think kind of like with alcohol, you would think, I mean, by all rights, if you have a really crazy night and you end up feeling really sick drinking and you have a horrible hangover, you would stop, right? But socially, socially, it's so expected of us that mm-hmm. you give another shot. <laughs> yeah. Un- pun intended, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, with weed, I think, yeah, you can have, you, you're bound to have a couple of off experiences, but the idea, idea is just openness. And if you're around it enough and it's accessible and portrayed in movies and talked about, then you're going to feel more normalized about it and probably be more open to all the different experiences you might have with weed. And so that's why I jumped into legal cannabis or legal California cannabis at the start of 2018. It's like, all right, this is what a time to be alive. This is our chance to revamp how the general public thinks about weed and how we relate to weed and how we can keep weed safe. Like you said, in terms of regulation, now we're able to make sure it's clean and safe from really bad chemicals. And yeah. Yeah. I I guess that could be a good, sorry, uh, good transition into um, what you're doing now and like what kind of, what, how, yeah, what's what's your mission and projects and what's been going on? Yeah, so being the weed lover that I am, I just, I didn't know how or what I wanted to do in weed and I still am very open, but I knew that I needed to get into this industry. It's brand new and it's being established and I want to make sure that it becomes an equitable, positive industry. Mm-hmm. because. I mean, it's a plant that's supposed to be beneficial and, you know, cannabis history is very grassroots driven. And I'm sure you also know that, you know, the political reasons that we became banned in the U.S. is to do with race. And there's a lot of social justice to be had with the Mm. cannabis industry also. So at the start of 2018, I jumped in and started working for a licensing and compliance firm. So at this firm, I was a consultant and I talked to so many different people who wanted to either start cannabis businesses or wanted to move their underground gray market, black market cannabis business into the legal world. Um, And and you just I, just jumped into that without like like how yeah without any experience or how did how did that yeah 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 I jumped in like you know I'm a very capable person and I'll do whatever needs doing yeah. and I did really well at this firm I accomplished five commercial cannabis licenses I put together these huge applications for some of the clients and submitted them to the cities to say, hey, this is the type of business we are drawing up. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to feel like. And this is how we're going to contribute to the community. You know, these are the charitable things we'll do. This is how we'll keep it safe. We'll keep it away from schools. So through the licensing and compliance firm and through this work that I did, I really learned that in order for something to be legitimate and embraced, it has to, you have to show and demonstrate 
that you intend good things, right? Right. You have good intentions. So, I mean, this is a great time to be in weed and talking about weed because it's about intention and how we're going to move forward mm-hmm. as, as we continue trying to, you know, bring about legal regulated cannabis as opposed to cannabis from down the street. Who knows what happened before that yeah. cannabis got to your hand, right? Right. So, um, yeah, I did that. And then just each time I accomplished a project, I caught the attention of cannabis operators and eventually got to jump over to the clients and start helping to build out these promises that were made in the cannabis applications, right? Like, okay, now it's time. We got the permit. We got the license. Let's build on it and create this business that we promised to the community. Mm -hmm. This business is supposed to be a safe, legitimate, clean, neat, cool business. Um, And then most recently, I worked for MedMen, a very large cannabis company with presence across multiple states all over the U.S. Um, And MedMen is very much so about access and normalization. So they pulled it off. MedMen retail stores are really pleasant, really easy to walk into. And I'm thinking about the first times I stepped into a little weed shop before Prop 64 with my little, you know, medical recommendation letter. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but with really nice retail fronts and really clean presentation, people feel like, okay, I can step in and look around just like any other shopping experience. Right. You just poke your head in and it's not too difficult. And chances are there's going to be something that catches your eye or sounds appealing. Um, And this is where the marketing and branding matters. So, yeah, I think just honestly feeling like it's normal and accepted um, will is, is what's going to help people get there. We don't have to, the product almost sells itself. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, but it really helps if it's easily found, easily purchased. Totally, and and that's why I am excited about you know the industry too because of that. Like it, it, it's offering, it's creating that sense of of comfort and safety about it, and yeah. breaking that that perception that it's you know for like hooligans and you know like. Right. people who are in crime and whatnot well, right <laughs> yeah at the same so, time you know sometimes i worry victor that big weed or commercial cannabis is just really being smoothed out a lot to make it accessible but then losing that sense of uniqueness and counterculture so there's a balance mm-hmm. to strike a little bit to me because weed is so personal yeah it's not I mean, yeah, I want it to be accessible and easily understood, but also it's meant to hopefully induce growth also. Right. And that doesn't necessarily come easy. Um, and I, I hope it doesn't just become this like, yeah, this is a really chill way to relax by the pool type of totally, thing. Totally. And that's also kind of classist as well, right? Yeah. Like, you hear interesting songs, um, 
by black artists talking about weed and how right. they use weed, right, to cope with some really serious stuff. Yep. And then now you see ads with like really bohemian, white, luxurious settings, right? Like, so hopefully there's room for everyone to understand and use weed towards growth in addition to relaxation and enjoyment. Yeah. Actually, that I'm, I'm curious, like, then for, from uh, an Asian American standpoint, like, what do you think cannabis does, has, and, and will have on uh, Asian American culture and identity? Yeah, well, it's a really big, um, broad question, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we could we could go on and on about yeah. the Asian American experience and the Asian American identity. Um, so I'm from the Bay Area. I'm a Bay Area Asian. <laughs> yeah, and I think weed use around Bay Area is associated with, coolly enough, uh, really great tech innovation and tech productivity. <laughs> but you know, I spent my adulthood in LA really. And LA is more, to me, it's more of an artsy, angsty place for individuals to express themselves and become stars by being yeah. themselves. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to weed and the Asian American identity, I don't know. Well, for, for the interview I did with Asian Americans for cannabis education, I felt well, let's see, Asian Americans might look down on weed because there's a sense of laziness or counterculture. And a lot of times being Asian American means being, well, kind of like, you know, people have identified Asian Americans as being model minorities. It's like, yeah. do a good job and right. be an upstanding contributing member of society. Like listen to your elders and listen to your elders and... Yeah, rule follower. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, all the proverbs we live <laughs> our life based on these principles and proverbs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think cannabis isn't too far off when it's not being made to look like a really criminal, horrible thing. You realize that weed could be compared to tea. You know, for all the times that I've seen my elders sit around and have interesting, thoughtful discussions while drinking tea. And eating some fruit, right. right? I've I've kind of replicated that with weed. Mm -hmm. Whenever I have friends over, like here's a bowl, here's some water, here's some tea, here's some fruit. Like let's right. chat, let's catch up. How are you? I, that's so funny to me. It's like I just imagine, you know, uh, people walking into each other's homes, and it's like, want some tea, weed, like <laughs> super yeah. casual about it, like yeah. Because I mean, and that's the thing with cannabis is like, there's this instant almost connection or sense of comfort around yeah. it, you know? And yeah, but like, you know, you, you roll up somewhere and someone pulls out a joint, like instantly you're like, oh, this is chill. <laughs> We're great. You know? But yeah. And so to be able to have like more deeper, thoughtful discussions around it, I think has been that's how my experience has been with it. Um, it's helped me be able to connect with my friends who I've been able to just sit around and talk with and not feel like I have to hold anything back or um, be distracted. Like it really helps stay present, helps you stay present in what's happening. Um, 
both in a, in a situational, like environmental awareness and like a social awareness and a personal awareness. Um, so, it, I mean, I'm not sure about the science behind it, but I'm sure there's definitely science around like that. It's like creating new connections, even within the body, right. To become aware of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, anyway, I think I might be going down a lot of <laughs> pathways here, uh, <laughs> back to good thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh yeah. but I guess like, so sticking with the cultural side of things though, like it sounds like, um, is, is that kind of a driving force or a mission in a way of what you're currently doing and the projects you might be taking on is like, you know, having this sort of impact on a, um, cultural standpoint. Yeah, I definitely very much so care about culture and there's so many ways to do that, you know, besides yeah. being a dog and being a cultural icon. <laughs> <laughs> um, where where it's taken me lately is kind of in a um I guess canvas business and government relations um set of of goals. Right. Because in order to exist within society the way cannabis could exist we'll have to work with the authorities that are totally um and also again going back to the grassroots movements and history of weed we've got to show that hey for so many so many so many people all over the country cannabis is a positive thing yeah. and something people do want around so let's listen to that Let's amplify that. Let's let's collectively make that known through ballot measures, um, through openness in our personal lives too. You know, I remember there was a time where I can't I can't believe that I'm so comfortable posting about my weed use. Mm. I try to imagine going back to high school me who didn't drink, didn't smoke weed. Didn't do anything but go to school, yeah. go to sports practice, yeah. right? Yeah. Do volunteer work. Um, if you had told her, like, hey, the more open you are about using weed, um, the more you're going to be progressing this thing that you really care about, which is weed, I would have been floored. I would have been like, <laughs> what in the it's world? Like, nah, this yeah. is <laughs> fake news. There's no way that's right. Um, but I'm really glad for my education. I'm really glad that I had this interesting course and that I found that documentary on Netflix and that I had these personal experiences with weed with stoner friends who provided good weed and good company and good conversation to me. Yeah. Um, overall I'm thankful for my community, right? Right. Right. Because weed is not so much about yourself. So it can help yourself out a lot. Right. But yeah, so that's, um, that's how I do it today is hoping that we can move forward to build weed up and building cannabis up means having it recognized, acknowledged and accepted and working well with the government. Yeah. Um, And just, and and just educating people about it in general. Right. Right. To me, that's kind of the natural first step. Like as much as I want to reach the the people and, you know, um, really 
represent weed to to all the consumers who may use it, the first step is actually being able to develop cannabis businesses. And that means working with the government. Um, and that's also going to, I mean, it's, it all goes hand in hand. It goes together. Yeah. The people in for, I mean, ideally, right. We're, we have a democratic government. Um, the people are supposed to make their voices and wishes known and legislators need to respect what people need and want in their communities and in their personal lives. And in this case, it's cannabis. Yeah. People have spoken and they do want it. And the people who, there are people who don't want it, but that's to do with a lot of the political misconception around it. Right. Because um, I think on a personal level, there's an opportunity for everyone. And, and just like some people don't drink coffee or tea or drink alcohol, or some people don't like, I don't know, look, whatever it is, right? Like, Right. Everybody has preferences, yeah. Right. Everyone has preferences, and I'm not saying everyone should use weed and everyone's going to love weed. But, I mean, the, the numbers we do know kind of show that it's a good thing, has a positive impact. And the brain psychology, the brain science and psychology theories that I know um, support that weed is good for us and, and yeah. can be helpful along with good therapy, right? Course, along with healthy, other healthy practices. Um, and, and actually that's key yeah. right there is being able to combine it with, with those other practices, right. To be able to use it with intention and not just to, yeah. you know, so, like escape or, or like, um, suppress anything or, right. or just yeah. look cool or whatever. Yeah. It like, you know, people forget that even, even exercise, physical exercise, even that can be a bad coping mechanism. Some people exercise to oh. run, literally run away from their feelings sure. and their challenges. Right. Yeah. Um, well, same with weed. And besides that, I, I love cannabis and how it makes me feel. And the context that I've used in has been really positive. I haven't had a really miserable day. I mean, there were times where it's like the misery is my own, right? (laughs) And it's something I need to work through and no amount of weed is going to take away what I needed to do for myself. Right. Right. Um, And it's not meant to, but it can help me. It's kind of that supporting, that supporting friend, right? that says like you got this it's fine it's chill we got this (laughs) yeah that's cool um i i think maybe we can take a a slight shift here into that that personal side of things and how uh Mm -hmm. you know towards the end uh of this episode here like i could i could like talk about this all day but um um you know, being a podcast about emotional intelligence, like, you know, how on a, on a personal basis, how has it helped you? Yeah. Well, actually I was first asked, like, what does emotional intelligence mean to you? Um, and, and there's no right or wrong, but just kind of your perspective around it. For me, emotional intelligence is awareness and expression. Hmm. 
So being aware of a thought or feeling, and that's, that's, I mean, that's what sets humans apart, right? Yeah. Is being able to even observe or take note of a thought or feeling. Yeah. So that's one step. And I mean, weed does that to you. It makes you aware of so many things, sometimes painfully aware of weird things, right? But for the most part, like weed makes you hyper aware a lot of times. Sometimes it's your thoughts and feeling. And then, you know, sometimes the the thoughts fall out of your mouth and you're like, that was kind of a dumb one, but it was fun, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But whatever the thought is, taking note of it and then expression. Um, and I don't think every expression has to be this refined, beautiful diamond of a thought or sure. idea or work. Yep. Right. Um, there have been times where in my design work, so before cannabis, I worked in design research and design, um, leveraging my background in psychology. And there were times in my design work I hit a block and I I would be upset because I wanted to create or produce something refined and nice and neat. But what I needed to do was find a way to express whatever angst or worry I had. So one of my favorite ways to use weed now that I'm a daily stoner, now that I'm a proud daily stoner and not just, (laughs) Oh, I came across that at a party and I sat down at the circle and then I, that's how I used it. Right. Like once I embraced being a daily stoner for my own personal reasons and my individual growth, I've had some of the best times just setting aside a, a little afternoon to write or doodle and just create something and using weed. I, I think weed, I don't, I mean, it's not like alcohol, which is really disinhibiting, but weed gives value and credence to your thoughts and feelings. Like alcohol takes off the filter, right? Right. Um, so we're getting into behavioral neuroscience a little bit. So alcohol and other substances can remove that filter, have you making all kinds of decisions, right? I feel like cannabis is more to do with thoughts and feelings. It doesn't yeah. affect your, it literally doesn't affect your decision-making faculties the way that alcohol affects your judgment and that's why you cannot drink and drive. Yeah. Um, or, or call your ex, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So with weed, I think it, I think it takes off your thoughts and feelings filter. Sure. If you're feeling sad or angry, feel it. And And that's not feel like to be judged about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, is the single most powerful thing about psychology is that in acknowledging your feeling, you've already addressed it more than halfway. Right. Right. That once you're able to say like, I am sad or unhappy about this thing, it has already been addressed. It's dispelled from there. And I think cannabis does that, but I don't know. I mean, this is what we're hoping to progress, right? Yeah. do studies, but we can't do that with, you know, cannabis being federally illegal. It bars a lot of research. Yeah. So. Well, and, and I think that's like, just at least anecdotally and from my experience, I think that's what it does is, um, you know, increase that awareness around those deeper emotions or thoughts that 
you know, that maybe aren't as accessible. And for, for a lot of us, and especially those who maybe aren't prepared for that or don't have the tools or the skills, like the personal skills to, you know, manage that, it can be overwhelming to have all of those emotions and thoughts like flood yourself. So, um, and that's why I think it's important to be like, to have this like mix of being able to, um, know what to do with those emotions when they do come up so that it doesn't turn into anxiety or paranoia or whatnot. Um, cause I, I, some, there was a period of my life too, where I was, um, consuming cannabis and it, it really would be debilitating and overwhelming because of that. And I maybe got more anxious about, mm-hmm. you know, myself and, and whatnot, but because I've been doing a lot of this inner work, uh, outside of that with, you know, emotional intelligence and, you know, joining men's groups or, and, and just being open and working with coaches, like all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's been, and meditating, yoga, like all that, it, it's been like being able to learn how to, um, yeah, just be, just be accepting of a lot of the thoughts that we have and not let that take us into an unproductive route or path um, within our minds. So, yeah, even, I mean, dare we call it self-abuse, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Don't, yeah. don't beat yourself up. Don't be so awful to yourself. Um, yeah. And yeah. yeah, totally. And like, that's the word like self-judgment and like, yeah. um, or, or like absorbing other people's judgment to, you know, like to, to have it impact your own identity. And so there's, I, yeah, we could talk about the whole psychology behind that too. Uh, (laughs) But um, maybe we got to do round two or something. So (laughs) with, with uh, the, towards the end here, I like to do a quick little rapid fire thing around your experience or um, excuse me, um, story or just your relationship with the five different emotions, the five core emotions. Um, And so, yeah, you can take it either as personal or as high level in a, you know, larger societal, you know, thought around it, but we can start with anger. So what's your relationship with anger or how, you know, how do you, how do you feel about anger? What's your perspective? (laughs) So, um, Anger, that is something that a small Asian woman is not supposed to express, right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at the same time, I'm, a, I'm, I'm angry. I get angry. <laughs> yeah. People tend not to take my anger seriously. And for the most part, I really try to work on my anger myself because I don't want to hurt other people as I'm processing something. So um, my, my angry space is in the garage with my punching bag. (laughs) Mm. Um, And that feels pretty good. And then, like I said, creative expression. Sometimes I write, write out my anger, but I don't like to write out my anger. I feel like I like to create from other emotions. Right. Um, And anger is more of a physical thing that needs to be pummeled out. So for me, (laughs) anger means go to the punching bag um, because, you know, while I'm allowed to be angry, and my anger for whatever, whatever moral outrage or personal issue I have, 
you know, I don't feel like it's right or fair to ever hurt other people as a result of your own pain. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do my best to work it out myself. Cool. Um, and then once I work it out, then I can express to if, if there is a person or organization behind it, once yeah. I've worked it out, oh, I'll be so much more sensible and well heard. Yeah. Having worked out the anger to say like, Hey, these are the ways in which this is wrong and doesn't work. Um, so yeah, yeah anger should be privately dealt with and then articulated and addressed later. That way you're not repressing anything. And that way you're making progress too around the context for whatever made you angry. And, and I think that's super, you know, it's always so hard to put into practice too though it's like yeah. you know whenever you do feel it it's like your body's <laughs> blown up and you just want to an easy target <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so um so but that's that's good advice there is is you know at least like it sounds like you know be aware of that and then find your own outlet um to express it that doesn't hurt anyone or that isn't that won't become destructive. Um, obviously I think, you know, I think we, I would hope that most of us have that mentality, but, um, it's just, it's, it's managing those impulses. Um, so. Yeah. Um, and managing them, I think means again, being aware and acknowledging them first yeah. instead of shutting them away, you know, so often, especially in Asian culture, you're like, Oh, that's, that's not cool. That's ugly. That's right, not, right. um, very formal or becoming or, um, right. It doesn't look good. So shove it away. But I think that half a second of saying I'm angry right now makes a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. And then to, to come back, uh, in it from a from a calmer place to address it, yeah. Cool. Um, how about fear? Fear, fear. Um, I think fear is about control. Fear is not knowing. Um, uh, what do we mean? We mean control. To me, fear comes from feeling disempowered Mm. to me fear comes from feeling like you're subject to something and i've had so many different types of fear fear for someone else fear for my future um and i think that's a hard one yeah um do you have uh maybe a personal fear that you're willing to talk about and maybe something that you like overcame or, or maybe how you manage that fear. Um, sometimes I get burnt out and then I have a huge fear of failure, a huge mm. fear of laziness or being known for lack of accomplishment, you know, mm. but that's, yeah. you can't work from that place. Right. You really can't. And I think it's a, it's a big theme for children of immigrants, not just Asian people, but, you know, just immigrant children in general. Um, it's like, oh my God, what if I do a huge disservice to all the opportunities I have? Yeah. 
Um, but I guess I, I feel like I keep fear in check. I keep fear in check by, because like I said, you can't work from a place of fear. Mm -hmm. Fear of failure does not mean beautiful accomplishments. It means pressure. (laughs) Right. So I think I redirect that instead by focusing on values and inspiration. Because when you're inspired, you aren't afraid anymore because because you're thinking of something bigger and better and more beautiful than what your fear is. Right. So I think inspiration is the antidote to fear. Um, I like that. Inspiration, and you get close to your inspiration by knowing what your values are and coming back to your values and expressing them and holding them close. Yeah. And I think that's the missing piece in a lot of us is having that space to even explore that, to understand what that is for ourselves. Like, what do we care about? What are our yeah. values? Um, and, uh, right. and, and um, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to make it so big. It could even be as simple as what do you like? Yeah. Like yeah. if you like the color blue then just like the color blue, more of that everywhere, you know, like, sure. um, yeah, I think, I think maybe this is a, a little bit of LA culture having rubbed off on me is that there's no fear of judgment and there is no fear of failure when you're inspired and in tune with your preferences and your likes and your passion. Right. And asking, I mean, I feel like that's a really big young adult like challenge and a huge coming of age thing is like, what do you want to do? What do you care about? What are you passionate about? And you're like, well, fuck if I know I'm kind of scared to answer that question. Right. Yeah. But you can start with, I like, I like dogs, right? Like, what's cool? Then a little bit more of that, I guess. And life is actually going to be a big, a big quilt of all your preferences and interests. Yeah. And then a couple of those things are going to grow to be that one big passion of yours. And I guess for me, it's it's weed, it's cannabis because cannabis facilitates all my preferences more. Yeah, yeah, which definitely reminds me or makes me want to smoke out with you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. That sounds good. (laughs) Um, How about uh, sadness? Sadness. Um, Sadness was a big part of my young adulthood. Mm -hmm. When I started college, my sister had cancer and I felt a lot of sadness. I felt loss. Uh, She's fine now. She's totally healthy, cancer-free. Fortunately, she was able to go to the Stanford Hospital. Congrats. But I think sadness comes from a feeling of loss, a feeling of not being able to get something back. And when my sister had cancer, well, it was a loss of her health and a loss of her happiness, um, a sense of loss of whatever the future might hold for her because who knows what's going to happen. Um, So... Sadness is loss and whether it's a friendship that ended, a relationship that ended. Yeah. And I think it's kind of weird, but I'm kind of proud of the way I'm able to embrace sadness sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, maybe that's lucky for me being a woman being a small woman, no one's going to give me too much shit. 
if I express a lot of sadness, but it's still hard, you know, sometimes we get the sense of, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a drag, a killjoy to be around, but I, I love crying. I love being sad sometimes because I need it. Mm-hmm. I, and it's just a matter of acknowledgement. Like I'm so sad because of this thing. And that means that that thing held a lot of value to me that I feel so sad when it's lost. Right. Yeah. Um, and getting through it, I think is just reaching out and fortifying the connections you do have. Acknowledging like loss and then refilling your well with all the things that you are connected to. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at having a decent cry session and being sad and then, and then finding my way back to friends, family, books, music. Yeah. Um, that work for me. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, fear and no, we did fear, uh, shame and disgust. <laughs> shame and disgust. Shame. Shame is some kind of incongruence with your values. I think shame comes from feeling like there's a mismatch with what you think is good and what you or someone else is mm. currently conveying, right? right? So I guess since today's talk was largely about weed, shame around weed has to do with not wanting to appear lazy or bad yeah, because that goes against what we strive for and you can replace it by just reframing your values. It's like, well, you know, a younger version of me would have for sure been like, no way I am not a stoner, never in a million years. The older me has new values because I was able to reframe them. And older me can say, I'm not ashamed of my weed use. I think I'm a really awesome, relaxed adult who's very confident and mellow. And I'm glad I'm not uptight or angry Mm. or restrictive. Right? So I think shame is just a reframing of values. It's an incongruence in what you think to be good and, and what's happening before you. Yeah. That's cool. And and then also breaking away from the 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 stories or the histories that you might have based on your circumstances yeah. around that too. Um like Context, I just right? exactly. Like yeah. again, because we talked about the Asian American perspective too, and that's where I think a lot of shame would stem from because of <laughs> the, the traditions yeah. and the culture that we feel like we have to maintain. <laughs> Right. Um, we probably have a hundred words for shame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> shame is a big one. Yeah. Asian culture, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Will this right. result in shame? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this the shame your family and <laughs> um all right, so yeah. lastly but not least, uh joy. Joy. Oh wait, do I have to touch upon discuss it's kind of the same right uh, yeah i kind of group it together 
I, every time I, I start with disgust, they're like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> throw in shame in there too. But if there is a thought around disgust, yeah, we can talk about it. I feel like disgust that. is more rigid than shame. Disgust is like, this is an uncompromising thing that I just cannot accept. <laughs> mm. This is the thing I am not just sort of iffy about. I am like for sure against <laughs> that. Yeah. That's disgust. Um, so joy. Awesome. Joy. Joy for me is freeness and um, in the moment appreciation, just being completely free of obligation or concern and just, yeah, really loving and adoring where you are um, and what you have in a given moment. So I think we were trying to get in touch last week. But and I thought there was time in the books for you, Victor. But something happened to me. My car broke down completely. <laughs> My beloved baby blue convertible bug broke down on the side of the road, and I ended up having to scrap it. And now oh, I don't no. have a car. And even in that moment that I'm sitting to wait for the tower, I found a way to feel joy, which is so weird, right? like I should have been devastated which I was I took time to feel devastated later too but that moment I was like gosh what a beautiful day <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah. yeah I'm sort of missing my friend's rehearsal dinner now it seems like instead of being early for it sure I'm missing it altogether but more or less I am free from major obligations I'm not really effing things up Right. Were you high? No, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. I was high on life, as they yeah, say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So joy is feeling free from whatever obligations there may be, and even if I had a really important appointment, I think once you reach this acceptance of like, you know what, you're not actually obligated or beholden to anything really in life mm. because things come up and things happen, and that's that, right? Yeah. Um. So there's this joy is freeness. And feeling like you don't have anything tying you down or weighing you down. Um, and appreciation. So I appreciated the weather. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated the fact that it was the end of the week. Um, I appreciated my car too. I'm like, man, I love this thing. I hope it's okay. Like, I love this car. <laughs> I hope it's fine. But it's, you know, it's still a fine life. We're right. doing great. So. Yeah. I I feel like um, joy is something I've been able to access pretty easily um, through hardship. And maybe that's what, I mean, I wasn't high when that happened last week, but maybe that's what being high has taught me. Sure. Maybe yep. being high has taught me to let go and grasp that freeness because that freeness is actually always yours, always there. I, I mean, I like, I like the way you said that. Like, I think there, it, it it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> like being like a modicum of freedom in your life. You yeah. know, not yeah. to discount the sad, oppressive things that happen all over the world. And sure, in our own neighborhoods, even, but even when everything else is holding you down, there's, you can find a friend's, a, a sense of freeness in your, 
a sense of a uh, sense of um, autonomy. Yeah. Yeah, and just not getting attached to too much, you know, like. Yeah. And I think that again, like that's what cannabis helped helped me with at least is um being able to you know almost even decide like what things you do want to give more attention or or weight you know um like even earlier today i i also did a quick little you know i had like an extra a little bit left over in my bowl <laughs> like you know i can't let that go to waste right uh but um i just took like a small hit today and then was stuck in traffic and like everybody's like stuck sucked at driving and (laughs) it's raining and i was like gonna be late to my friend like to meet up with a friend and but there was yeah there was something about it um that it it's just not getting attached to what yeah. doesn't serve you, you know, like, like how much control do you have over all this, all that anyway? Like, is it healthy for you to keep getting mad about that? Or, you know, or are there other things that can excite you or that you could um, uh, have just have a better time, in, like embracing and, and feeling, you know? There's a sense of what can you do? Right. And it's an opportunity for creativity and joy. Yeah. Like yeah. In these moments, like, okay, so I'm not allowed to do this, this, or this. I can't move in traffic, but what can I do? What yeah. is a sense of freedom that I can exercise right now? It's like, yeah. uh, probably not rolling down the window. This is Southern California. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talk, right. Um, but putting on a song, like, yeah, I'm totally free to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Um, this has been great. This has been just uh, an awesome, like, raw, vulnerable conversation. Um, seemed to go to so many places, but uh, it's just been fun to connect with you. Um, how can people find you and maybe like what you're up to and, and how can others support you? Um, well. I can be found on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, there are a lot of Amanda trans, <laughs> but I think punching in UCLA tends to funnel it down a little. And on Instagram, um, my more inspired page is at humanitarian. So it's like humanitarian, but with a D in there, like my name, Amanda. So it's out. <laughs> Um, and that's where I post on my, the way I use weed in my workflow, uh, what I think about in terms of design and, and business and cannabis. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, the reason I care so much about cannabis is to do with mental health and wellness. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I don't think I mentioned to you before, but I used to work on the suicide crisis line. I, that, I wrote that down as when I was doing research and I hadn't, I couldn't find a way to bring that in. Right. But... We were so focused on joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, it's definitely round two is in the works for sure. 
Um, but yeah, to me, my cannabis work is about mental health. Right. Um, and humanitarian is where you can peek in on some of those thoughts or projects on Instagram. Cool. I forgot to say on Instagram, humanitarian. And actually the um, link to my LinkedIn is also on my Instagram, humanitarian. Cool. All right. I will link that in the show notes. And um, yeah, and if, if, you know, if you're interested to connect, then definitely do so. Um, Come out this way anytime. I'm near Joshua Tree National Park. Very gorgeous place to take a breath. And I love it. Set of scenery. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I went camping out there last spring. So, oh, nice. It was pretty cool. But, um, Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again for spending this time with me here and geeking out about stuff. And then we'd, uh, hopefully this, um, yeah. So, so thanks for that time and, uh, hope you can keep, keep pushing the mission along. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for this chat. Thanks for your openness. Um, and everything you're doing to help people get there in terms of growth and being comfortable with the self. Um, and yeah, I hope we can be a part of people's journeys, but that's not the, that's not the main point. Yeah. Uh, Though it can, it can be helpful. Cool. Fun really. (laughs) Yeah, totally. We're just here to have fun. So, (laughs) all right. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with my guest, Amanda Tran. In the middle of editing this episode, too, I went and watched the Culture High uh, documentary, which you could stream on YouTube. I'll I'll post the link in the show notes if it's not taken down by now. But um, I would really recommend if you resonate with any of this to go watch that because it really does inform inform you in so many ways um and it it really brought up a lot of emotions for me one of them being anger definitely being as the the big one there where it's like what what is this closed-mindedness and stubbornness and inability to regulate our emotions um doing to us as a society as a humanity you know when when there are all these people who don't have this skill, this really crucial, vital skill as a human being, go into positions of power that can exercise, you know, like so much control over someone else's life. Like, it's just amazing how much lack of empathy is, is you know in in our society and you know this is like it it's super interesting because i definitely went into this documentary just wanting to learn more about cannabis but it was the whole like worldly impact of not just cannabis but the war on drugs and then even deeper level this disconnection from ourself from empathy from from our emotions which is super relevant maybe this is because i'm just super focused on this area of work right now so i'm kind of that's just what i pay attention to but i think 
this is this really is at the core of of so many so many of our social issues today um and and uh and and that's a big reason for why i went into this work because it's not only something i found lacking within myself but that i find lacking in society um in the workplace and and like i say this not to be all you know righteous or that everybody it's like or like gung-ho or whatever it is right i i totally understand that you know everybody can can live in their own way or whatever but i think if there is any area in your life where there is too much unnecessary conflict or suffering or you know um just endangered health in any way it really does come down to looking at ourselves internally right it it, it comes down to really having that self-awareness of of a deeper emotion behind what's happening around you and why that's happening, why that emotion is triggering and, and what is the context or what is, what are the circumstances that are it's creating that emotion and driving your behaviors? I, I always, I, I just mentioned that little disclaimer because I know that for, for me, at least for being like, so Sometimes when I hear somebody who's just like way too, uh, like way too gung ho about something, it does kind of turn me off. So I, I just want to be mindful of that myself. Um, but I do hope that this is a good point of reflection for you uh, in your life and and the people around you and where you want to take it, how you want to lead it. So if you haven't watched the Culture High documentary, I would strongly encourage that uh it's it's super informative and pretty entertaining and if you just spark up a bowl you know it makes it a lot more fun <laughs> um but if you again resonate with this please do share this episode with someone to start the conversation to be able to um to talk about not just cannabis but something deeper around you know humanity and maybe the purpose um in life and being able to empathize with others being able to connect with others on another level there are just many things to talk about with this documentary and hopefully with this episode too so i'm just really curious um what comes out of that definitely follow me on instagram human up podcast that's all one word lowercase uh, and that will be a great way to provide any feedback or add any comments or start a conversation there as well. Um, you can also just DM me if you're curious to learn more about my work and what I'm up to. If you also are willing and able to support this podcast financially, I would very much appreciate that to help me cover the cost to continue producing this podcast. Um, if you've been finding value out of it, it would really help me to, you know, encourage me to keep this going as well. So you could donate uh, just a one time donation or on a monthly basis if you go to bit.ly slash human up podcast donation. So bit.ly slash human up podcast donation, uh, which you can donate through PayPal. 
And I, again, would very much appreciate that to help me um, know that this is really helping people. But regardless, I still really appreciate you listening all the way through. And with that, I will catch you next Monday.